You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Well, welcome everybody to the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast. My name is Amy Blazik, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas. Um, I have as my guest today the new editor-in-chief of the Senior Care Pharmacist, Dr. Chris Alderman. Chris, Dr. Alderman, it's so nice to have you with us today. It's my pleasure, Amy, and nice to be with you too. Yeah, and you're coming to us from where? I'm coming to you from Adelaide, South Australia. So Adelaide is the capital city of the state of South Australia, and uh, it's a long, long way from Texas, I can tell you. It is. It is. Well, we're glad to we're glad to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for making time for us. Um, so I know that a lot of our readership is really interested in this, you know, the transition to a new editor in chief. And so let me start off with just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm a pharmacist, and I've worked across a range of different settings. Um, I was a clinical pharmacist for many years in a teaching hospital in Adelaide, South Australia. In fact, I worked in a hospital which is very much like a a VA hospital in that it had a primary focus on caring for uh, veterans, Australian veterans and their families. Um, And I did that for many years. I became eventually the director of pharmacy uh, in that hospital. I did that job for quite some time. Um, when the time came to take on a new challenge, I became the clinical director for a major national uh, pharmacy group servicing the aged care industry. I, I looked after approximately 30,000 beds, provided stewardship and, and leadership for the, the clinical pharmacy services that were provided for those, uh, for those aged care facilities around Australia. Um, and then I also hold a, an appointment with the University of South Australia in the pharmacy program there, teaching both undergraduate and postgraduate pharmacy programs um, and also supervising research students. So um, that's a little bit about my work background. In terms of my interests, I, um, I've held certification as a psychiatric pharmacy specialist since 1997 and was also the first Australian to get the BCGP qualification, the geriatric pharmacy qualification in 1999. So I guess psychiatry and geriatrics have been my long-standing clinical interests. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I Sounds like you wear a, many hats. <laughs> well, it's good to be busy. That's what they say. I know, I know. Busy, busy means you'll have a job tomorrow, right? Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> so um, certainly, I think a lot of the readership of the journal are are very interested in this um, in this changeover to an all electronic format. And so, I wanted to ask you, what new things do folks have to look forward to with this all electronic format? And I guess a sort of a, a other side of that question, what's not going to be changing? Well, if I had to sum it up, I'd say really the only major change that people should expect is that they won't be receiving a, uh, a paper version of the journal. Uh, everything else essentially um, will remain the same. And it's interesting to, to look at this from a different perspective. I was talking about this with my kids, actually, and uh, 
all of my kids are either just finished university or on their way through university. And when I told them um, I was going to be editing a journal which was fully online, they looked blankly at me and said, well, why on earth would you want paper? Um, <laughs> it's it's a generational thing, I think. And I, I think um, many, of us, many of us were brought up with uh, with paper journals and, and we understand what, uh, what they offer and, and why they existed. But... In a, in a newer aged um, digital situation, I suppose we could easily ask ourselves the question, well, what indeed does paper offer us other than something to sit on our table and gathering, gathering dust after a little while? So all of the aspects of the journal will remain accessible through an electronic <coughs> format. Um, so aside from the obvious environmental benefits, um, and I think that's something that people tend to overlook, it's not just the printing and the paper that's involved, it's the shipping, for example, of pieces of paper to far-flung places that actually creates a cost for the environment. But putting that aside, um, I think it's also important to note that having an all-electronic journal allows us to be responsive and agile and we can put things to print relatively quickly. So one of the things that I uh, am implementing in this role is to try and make sure that we get contemporary commentary addressing the content of the journal. So where I see um, materials published in the journal that I believe um, could benefit from expert commentary, I'll be seeking that out and I'll be approaching members of ASCP as well as other people, including physicians and nurse practitioners and uh, consumers for that matter, to provide uh, commentary addressing the materials that are published. So I'm really excited, for example, uh, in the upcoming January edition of the journal to have a commentary that will be published from Melissa Sheldrick, who uh, works with the Canadian Patient Safety Foundation. And anybody familiar with Melissa's work will know that it's um, passionate, heartfelt, and really has some things to teach us about uh, safe and effective use of medicines for older people. So I'm, I'm looking to achieve responsiveness and um, timeliness and a greater opportunity for people in the senior care pharmacy community to be able to publish their observations, their work, their research, and also to share practice models to show us what they're doing, to help us understand how we might apply novel ways of approaching issues in our own work every day. So I, I see those as real benefits from coming from uh, a print journal to an electronic journal. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I think that the trees are definitely breathing a sigh of relief. Um, but I love the fact that, you know, we are, it's going to be a much more nimble journal, um, especially with this electronic format. It's wonderful. So, you know, recognizing that the journal um, really enjoys a pretty solid senior care pharmacist following, I'd love to hear if you have um, in 10 you intend to expand the audience of the senior care pharmacist, maybe beyond the senior care pharmacy realm? Look, I'd be seriously hoping that we can expand the reach of the journal, and uh, that would be one of the things that I'm looking to achieve uh, by going down this path. So there are a number of fronts 
on which I see us potentially pursuing that expansion. One of the obvious ones, of course, is to extend our reach in a significant way beyond uh, the North American environment. So you're absolutely correct, and the North American senior care pharmacy sector has been strong supporters of the journal for many years. I think there's a lot of work being done in the senior care pharmacy sector beyond the shores of North America, and I'm talking in places like Europe, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and other parts of Asia, which is also very relevant. And of course, knowing that people in the, in the older age brackets um, are now constituting a much larger proportion of the world population and moreover that um, that those people who are in that age bracket are, are, are going to be very important from a clinical pharmacy and medical viewpoint, both um, clinically and sociologically, I, I think it's very important for us to extend our reach um, worldwide. And so that's one of the things I'm looking to achieve. Uh, another thing I'm hoping to achieve is to see more content addressing matters relevant to clinical pharmacy and uh, safe and effective medicine use in older people, but originating from contributors who may not necessarily be pharmacists. So physicians, nurses, consumers, and other potential contributors will be people that I'll be hoping to target to see the work included in the the breadth of the of the senior care pharmacist so that's that's another area i'm looking to to see expansion in um, and i suppose uh, the other thing that i should say is that i'm looking to see an increase in the in the breadth of the types of material that are covered so in particular i'm very interested to see people describing models of practice or or simply just good ideas that they've uh, put into place in their own work um, that can be shared with others and perhaps replicated for the benefit of of our patients so all in all there's a lot of opportunity here absolutely we have so much to learn from other disciplines you know i think we we sometimes kind of bang our heads against a wall that like nobody's listening to pharmacy but i think sometimes we do the same thing to other disciplines and so i, I love that 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 um that that's on your radar to expand sort of a more interdisciplinary focus for the for the journal and for um for authors it's wonderful well i think there's an opportunity to move out of our comfort zone and sometimes you know we tend to forget that while we look outwards at, at other people in uh, the medical and biomedical community those people are looking at us as well and and sometimes it's important to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves the question why why do we do things a certain way why is it necessary for pharmacists to be doing those things um and to have some healthy debate and discussion um and i think it, it, it it's any journal um really should have that at its core to uh, not just accept standard ways of being and doing, but to think about how we might um, challenge our perceptions and look in a broader fashion.
Well, for those aspiring authors, so the the authors that we've inspired with this conversation so far, <laughs> what types of things can authors be doing to make uh, to make their work successful for publication in the journal? What types of things are you looking for? What what can authors do? Well, there are lots and lots of things that can be done to increase a person's chances of uh, having their work appear in a published journal, and this is in a broad sense, but also specifically applicable to the senior care pharmacist. But I would say having a clear objective in mind would be one of the things that I would recommend to any prospective uh, author. So be clear about what you're trying to achieve by writing and submitting uh, your paper. Now, if we're talking about a research paper, then this is relatively structured. We know what the research question is, and if it's been well formulated, um, then that makes it easy. Of course, one of the things that people need to do to publish research is to have their material cleared by uh, an institutional ethics committee, an IRB, if you like, um, and in doing so, there's always a, a quality assurance step. An IRB is not about to approve a piece of research if it's flawed uh, or if it's uh, if it can't deliver what it says it's going to deliver. So that's that's a useful step. Um, but after that, then it's also worth asking the question: um, How well does this um, research or or other piece of material that I want to submit to the senior care pharmacist, how well does that align to the stated objectives and to the um, to the guidelines for authors? Because that will always give somebody a better chance of getting their material to the ultimate stage of appearing in print. So I'd, what I'd suggest is people who are contemplating contributing to the journal and, and obviously I'd, I'd very much like to see people uh, incorporating this into their work, um, should read the instructions for authors pretty carefully. And the other thing that I'd suggest, which I think is also a, a useful step for people, is to have a look at other papers that have been published in the journal in the past that look and feel similar to the sort of thing that you're proposing to submit. So you can get an idea as to, well, this material has already been accepted. It's been deemed worthwhile and appropriate for the journal. So if I prepare my paper in a fashion which looks and feels like this paper, um, and I'm not talking about obviously uh, to, to copy things gratuitously, but if, if I model my paper on something that's already been accepted previously, well, I know that I'm broadly on the right track. Thank you so much for that. And then um, I guess for, you know, for again, for those aspiring authors who maybe don't have any, any big ideas, are there any types of articles that the journal is looking for? Um, I guess maybe within the next year or so? Look, we're, we're interested in a number of different types of paper. We're very interested in systematic reviews, which is something that is accessible to pretty much everybody um, in the publishing community. So if you're interested in a particular topic, then my suggestion would be to uh, team up with some colleagues, uh, perhaps include some authors from other disciplines, 
and examine a clinical issue or a problem uh, with a critical eye and look at a systematic review. That would be one type of paper which I think would be very welcome and people in the readership would find incredibly helpful. Equally, I would also say that we are interested in addressing specific um, clinical problems or issues. So if you've come across a particular case that's um, that's been a challenge for you and has caused you to think further about what to do in managing that clinical situation, then I'd be very keen to see people share their experiences about that with other people. So I think that's another area in which um, we could really use lots more publications. I also uh, like the idea of publishing case reports. I, I think people sometimes tend to denigrate case reports as not being as important as other forms of publication. I am personally of the view that case reports are incredibly useful. Uh, and I would say, looking back at my own publishing career, I would still regard one of the early case reports that I was a co-author on as the most influential paper I ever published. Uh, and that's going back some 30 years and about 160 peer-reviewed publications. So um, it's not to say that a, a person publishing a case report can't make an impact. So I'd certainly like to see case reports describing things like adverse drug reactions, drug interactions, or a novel approach to managing a clinical situation. Um, so that's another uh, area I'd like to see contributions coming in uh, to the journal. Wonderful. I think as, as senior care pharmacists, you know, especially those who work in long-term care facilities, I think so often we feel like we're working in a vacuum and that what we're seeing isn't novel, that nobody else is having these problems. But I think, you know, if I've learned anything from, you know, going to the annual meeting and also from reading case reports that all of a sudden you, re you recognize, like, I'm not the only one dealing with this, but sometimes it's, you know, it's almost like these case reports and sometimes these um, sort of novel ways of looking at things can kind of feel like a support group. Like, I'm not alone in this. Like, we're all dealing with kind of the same thing, regardless of where we're practicing. I totally agree. At times you can have a real lights on moment. Um, yeah. In fact, in, in this part of the world, we tend to refer to it as a black swan moment. So uh, I don't know whether the term's familiar, but um, of course, until people arrived in Australia, um, nobody even knew that black swans existed. It completely um, flabbergasted people to see swans that weren't white. Um, and that's uh, that's what I often find amongst case reports is that people look and think, I, I never knew um, that this approach might have existed, that this clinical problem might occur in other cases, and it can really um, open your eyes to something that perhaps you didn't see before. Yeah, that's wonderful. So I guess just um, last question, just because we're, we're kind of buttoned up against that, that, tw that magic 20 minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess last question, in an ideal world, what will the journal look like for, you know, in your ideal world, what will the journal look like in five years? Gee, that's a big question. And I, and I suppose uh, my, um, 
my objective for the journal going forward is to see it grow in stature, to see it um, receiving more submissions from a broader base, addressing a broader scope of content with its impact factor rising and making it an attractive destination journal for academic publishing to publish um, new research addressing specific issues related to the safe and effective use of medications in older people and, and to really make a difference, to really have an impact in the way in which um, drug therapy is used uh, in a, what is essentially a very vulnerable uh, population. I think we all um, know how much we owe to the generations who went before us uh, and how we have a duty of care towards looking after those people. And I'd like to see that reflected in the journal's content and reach over the next five years. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Alderman, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining me today. It's my, it's my great pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, and thank you so much for listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist Radio. I'm Amy Blazik, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Amy.